At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This, like, ability to scramble in the pocket, almost. It's almost not, it's like, you know how Ben Roethlisberger used to be. He was like Fred Flintstone running a little area. You're talking about when he would bowl, his tippy-toe bowling, is that what you're talking about? Or that, or just, you know, just when he's in the car, you know. (laughs) When he's in the car and his feet just go like this, right? Like, to me, that's how Ben Roethlisberger used to shuffle his feet around the, you know, got it? Yeah, thank you. That was very, very well done. Well done. That was a conversation we had last week about Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously, the comparisons to Fred Flintstone, there could be many. I think I saw that face they always use of me on Wilma. It I flashed that. by. I think you were Wilma. Very quickly. Who was I? I, I couldn't see it either. I, I believe I might have been also a, one of the female characters there real quick. So if they want to play I that. assume that you'd be Barney Rubble, you just kind of fit I'd like that. that. You are the Barney Rubble to my Fred Flintstone. I like that. I could do that. Just you know, I wish, you know, it just I had one of those big those big clubs though. Every now and then, like when you said something stupid, I could just bang you over the head with it and be like, oh, readjust your thought. Oh, there I am. I'm am I, uh, am I pebbles? Is. Am I pebbles? You're pebbles. Wow, you're pebbles. And 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 Macy's in the car too. That's oh, you're very right. Well look done. at Macy. Well, well done is right. And Ben's driving. So, and uh, Ben, look, he's looking good. He's signaling to the right. He's like, look, we're turning right. I, I like it. It's a good, good car. Good look. All right. Well done. Great way to start the program. And it's good that you got to hear that because we Whoa. had just a minor Whoa. technical glitch on the way in. And and Chris, you you have learned much about the technological side of things unplug it, plug it back in, and magically it works. That's the first line of defense for any technical issues that anyone ever has. Unplug it, plug it back in, I mean, and it works. That's, it's scary. Just under the wire. Right. It's, Just under the wire. Right. Hadn't happened in a while. Yeah. I, I got to say, I was impressed. You did not lose your mind like you usually do. You've matured. Well, I, I, I haven't matured. I don't feel the hottest today because I got my vaccine yesterday, so I am feeling like a little bit like kind of like, uh and that probably led to me being a little calmer here. 
in that situation. But like, there's nothing more like nerve wracking to me when we're like 45 seconds from the show and I can't hear you or something's not working right. Technically, uh, it just, yeah, I, my blood starts to boil and I just pulled the plug out and twisted it around and it went, went in and all of a sudden I could hear you. I'd say that that happens once every five or six weeks, yeah. but when it's happening, it time stands still, but at the same time, time accelerates. You panic, you start to sweat, right? You're like, "What in the hell are we going to do?" And it almost always works out just before it's time Somehow. to go live. Somehow. Really, it does. I know it's right. They called engineering. They thought, "Oh man, you're gonna have to do the first segment by yourself for a few minutes," and it all worked out. So here we are. There. Uh, who are you? What I'm Pebbles. What's Three your shows name? to go. I'm Wilma. You're Wilma. Okay, Three shows Wilma. to go. Three shows to go. Two, for which me. means I gave birth to you. I gave <laughs> birth to to you. Oh, that's disgusting. Okay. Oh yeah. You wait, wait. The last week before hiatus, you're not going to see it through to the end. Oh wait, we have big cats, so it's an upgrade. It, oh, it, thank it, you very much. Yes, thank I you. forgot about I forgot about the discussions to replace you with big cat. Right. Okay. That he disclosed last week. Good. So never you guys mind. have fun. All right. Go ahead. I'll be at home. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, well, I'm I'm glad you got your vaccine, although that continues to be a hot button issue for. Reasons I will never understand, but I guess deep down I do, uh, given the way we are as a country right now. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. What you need to know today. Three days left until our hiatus. Travis Kelsey appearing on Sirius XM NFL Radio, evaluating how things went down last year for the Super Bowl 54 champs. Here he is. Well, I mean, I'll say I took a note from the Bulls uh, when they were uh, they were you know, winning their championships and, and had their had their run. Uh, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got the ring, baby. And uh, <laughs> all, the, all those accolades, all that stuff, it might be cool when I'm I'm sitting down on a couch watching the young guys try and chase the record. But it wouldn't, right now, none of that really meant anything. And it, last year was a failure to me, to be honest. It's just it, <clears> that's just what I have in my heart. This is the type of player I am, man. If uh, if we're not going out there winning Super Bowls, man, the season isn't a success. Hey, and that's a fair assessment when you consider the team that he's currently part of. He was there for a while before Patrick Mahomes. Once Patrick Mahomes arrives, everything changes. You're a Super Bowl contender every year, and if you don't win it, you are going to be upset. They were the better team. They were favored to win, but they were too banged up. They didn't react on the fly right. to the fact that they didn't have their top two tackles. They did a poor job of protecting Patrick Mahomes, Yeah, and they came up against Tom Brady, a guy who had been there nine times before there's value in that, and uh, so the Chiefs have that hunger, that fire rekindled. There and you, go. you know, so many people are thinking the Bucks are going to repeat. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll see back-to-back conference champions, and it'll be like Bills Cowboys. That's the last time, isn't it? We saw the same teams get together in the Super Bowl in consecutive years. I, I feel like I'm missing right. one, but I don't think I am. No, no, I think right? that's it. I think Bill's Cowboys is the last time we've had a repeat Super Bowl matchup for sure. Isn't yeah. that the only time that's ever happened? Uh, that's got to be the only time that's ever happened. I, I think, Again, I feel like I'm missing no, one. No, I think you're right. I, I'm I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, there's there's no. I mean, not back-to-back like yeah. that. You're right. That's the only one. It definitely is. And it's, uh, I mean, they were I mean, Steelers Cowboys teams. have gotten together three times, but, but – uh, consecutive same year same teams right. and it, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened the Chiefs are going to have a harder road I think than the Buccaneers but the Chiefs are more determined because they tried to get back to the top of the mountain and they failed so this year 
winning the Super Bowl is an improvement over what happened last year. For the Bucs, it's just, hey, go climb that same mountain you already climbed with you know, a bigger target on your back. But it, it doesn't surprise me. I talked to Travis Kelsey during the season after one of their wins, and you know they viewed the loss to the Raiders as a disappointment, as a glitch, as something to learn from. And Kelsey's attitude was, we don't plan on losing another game anytime soon. And the only, the only game they lost other than the Super Bowl was a game that they didn't, they didn't care play, about, Week right. 17 against the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, they – they have an incredible belief in themselves and a showmanship and just a competitive desire that, that makes them great. I mean, I think that's what's kind of unique about them. You know, we, we've heard them, what is it, Chris Jones, we're going to win six Super Bowls. They have never shied away from, like, putting pressure on themselves or telling us their expectations. That's kind of what's cool about the, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's kind of, hey, we're here, we're awesome, we expect to win every game, and for the most part, they do. Yeah, they, they fell into a, a buzzsaw, and you, you explained it right about the Super Bowl. Bad, you know, beat-up football team, bad game plan where they thought it was going to work the same way it did the first time around. That didn't work. So uh, I would expect to see a motivated Kansas City Chiefs football team this year. They're going to be disappointed by the Super Bowl. But here's the big question. There's, like, there's twofold to me here. There's one, like we've talked about maybe a few weeks ago when we said, are they going to be – you know, maybe exhausted from being the marked man. You know, you could have the Super Bowl hangover loss, that aspect of it. You know, these long seasons they've had. It's an AFC championship game and two Super Bowls in a row. That That's the thing where you look at negative. But the positive, Mike, to me at least here, to where you go, you know why I think they can answer the bell and, and get back to the big game or at least close to it. There's, they had some turnover on the team. You know, there's going to be some new guys there that are going to be hungry to be like, wait, I want to win here in Kansas City. That offensive line, what they did there, Jerron Reed. So there's going to be some new juice in the locker room that hasn't quite, you know, had the benefit of being on this team and all the all the greatness about it. And I do think that could help them at least a little bit, motivate the locker room. And those guys, their excitement will rub off on the rest of the team because they're like, yeah, man, this is good. Yeah, you guys are excited. You should be. We're awesome. Uh, that could be a positive for them when all said and done. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I've said time and again that one way to avoid complacency is to bring in guys who have zero rings. And for them, hey, this is great. I'm with a team that is a contender. This this is a hell of an opportunity for me, and I want to get my championship, and I want to be part of something special, and I want to play with Patrick Mahomes and, and everything that goes along with it. You, you knock off some of that rust that can develop right. when it's the same roster over and over again. And you mentioned Travis Kelsey saying last year they want to win six. Or not Travis Kelsey, it was Chris, Chris Jones. Jones, right? Tyree Kill has said something like that. Right. Here's the reality: if they're going to win six, Chris Jones is going to be gone by the time they get probably to number four. Right? Tyree Kill is going to be gone. The only guy that's going to get six rings is is Patrick Mahomes, just like Tom Brady. Tom Brady got the six in New England. Nobody else got six in New England. That's how it's going to be. It's yeah. not going to be winning six out of seven or six out of eight. That that and as no, I say right. that, I'm I'm thinking, watch, it's going to happen. <laughs> but but that's just not. We we saw last year. That's not how it works. Too many things have to line up just right to win a Super Bowl. They're going to be in the conversation yeah. every year they have Patrick Mahomes. The question is, how many years can they thread the last needle? 
and make it happen. And one thing about Super Bowl 55 that doesn't get discussed nearly as much as it should, that Britt Reid incident from Thursday night, 100%. that awful accident, right. and every, and all the distraction that that causes. Game changer. It's the, the son of the head coach of the team, 72 hours before kickoff. That had to have been a huge factor in just what seemed to be a Chiefs team that wasn't ready to answer the bell. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, the beat-up factor – Maybe a little complacency and, hey, like, hey, we're the man. We've already beat this team. We're going to do it again. But the Britt Reid thing, yeah, is real. There's no doubt about that. I, I mean, imagine. like you, you, you said it. It's the head coach's son. He's a coach on the football team. You know, this happened. It was a horrible event. Like, what do you think the Chiefs players were talking about in the locker room Friday and Saturday when they got in there? Like, what? That's, they weren't talking about the Super Bowl. They weren't talking about the game. Hey, did you hear what happened to Coach's son? Hey, man, what happened? Did you hear any of the details? Where was he? What happened? I mean, that's, that's, that's distraction, big time. You're right. I mean, you take that into account. Hey, some of those questionable calls by the referees, we saw all of that. I mean, clearly Tampa was the better team that day, but that is a distraction, and uh, they haven't had to deal with too much like that. They usually answer the bell all the time, and this was one of those games for the first time, I think, really in the Mahomes era where we were like, we were on the edge of our seat. We kept thinking it was going to happen. They'll get it close. They'll step on the gas pedal here, and it just didn't happen that day. They couldn't overcome all of it, and I think it's all the circumstances we're talking about. And the other twist to it as well, they didn't get a chance to really process what happened on Thursday night because they were still in Kansas City. They traveled late Saturday, to Tampa right? because yeah. of the pandemic, so it just was a weird upside-down ending to a weird upside-down season. And you throw all the ingredients together, and it just proves how hard it is. I mean, how they almost didn't get their first when they're down 10 points with seven minutes left. This is not the kind of dominance that we've seen in the past because the teams are too tightly packed together, yes. especially at the top. Right. There isn't one great team. There's seven great teams, and any of those teams can win the Super Bowl. And it comes down to the bounce of a ball, a bad call, or a good call, depending upon your perspective, a fluke gust of wind, right. whatever it can be. A special player effort, making a special every, play. Every, yeah. All, all the think about it. the effort that is put into everything that happens from the start of the season until the end of the season. All you know, the the old Bill Parcells, this is why you lift all them weights. Yeah, right. You, you all that work, all that effort, it comes down to some fluke that's completely out of your control. Yeah. No. It comes down to you know, you get in the biggest game of the year and you lose your starting left tackle and you lose another offensive lineman and your quarterback's playing on, you know, one foot and dealing with that issue with the turf toe and all that. He can't play to his best ability. You know, it, it was rare to see them, you know, in that scenario. And, I mean, you're right. The day of – that's what's made New England special. Like, we don't have the 80s and 90s dominant team. There wasn't salary cap. There wasn't free agency then. It was like Major League Baseball. You kind of knew the five or six teams that were going to be the real deal Holyfield and going to be in the mix of the Super Bowl. That's the way it was. It's not that way anymore. That's what makes it, you know, of course, amazing what New England did, but even amazing what we're seeing here right now. Even though it's one Super Bowl, I mean, yeah, it's close. You know, they've won some games where you could sit here and go, I don't know if they were really better than San Francisco. They might have got a lucky call and they just had the best player on the field. That's the biggest thing. And he is the ultimate eraser or you know gap filler whatever you want to say he is amazing at if the game's close you feel like Kansas City's going to win because 15's at quarterback and he's just going to make the play to do it and that's what makes them special and kind of fun too 
Another item of adversity that the Chiefs have to deal with as they enter the slow time between the end of the offseason program and training camp, this Frank Clark arrest. Jeez. Second time since March on gun-related charges, and most recently, he's got an Uzi and a duffel bag that's open. I mean, first of all, if you if you feel compelled to have an Uzi, which is a clearly illegal weapon, but if for whatever reason you feel compelled to have an Uzi and it's in a duffel bag, just zip it shut so they don't see it when they look in. I mean, that's a simple that's a simple tip. You don't have it in plain view, so the cop, oh, there's an Uzi. An Uzi is a highly illegal weapon, a weapon of mass destruction. You pull that trigger and 50 people are dead. Who, what, who the hell needs an Uzi, Chris? I, I have no idea, Mike. It makes no, no sense to me at all. It doesn't, you know? I mean, there's a guy that has a little bit of a checkered past, certainly, but, man, he's a good football player. You know, he does a lot of good things for their football team. Is he a superstar pass rusher, in my opinion? No. But, like, a guy that you go is that next level down from a superstar does everything pretty well. And I, th- to me, those are the things I just don't understand. I don't. For a player like Frank Clark, you kind of got, you know, the, the, you got everything you want the, right in your hand. And there he is, you know, taking a risk. With having that in the car, why? I don't know. Where are you going with that? Listen, I'm not trying to understand anybody's life, but a Uzi, like you said, like what? Are we we're, we're we going to get in like a major gunfight in the neighborhood? I don't know. It just seems a little much for me. And guys get arrested on gun charges all, all the, the time. time. And yeah. we see guilty pleas. We see reduced charges. We see slaps on the wrist for the most part. But this to me has a much graver feel to it because it is an Uzi. You typically only see Uzis in the movies. Yeah. You don't see somebody walking around with an Uzi. It is a felony. And he may be looking at jail time for this. You get a prosecutor that wants to send a message to the world that, that uh, you know, you get caught with an Uzi, you're going to do hard time. Remember what happened to Plexico Burris? He shot himself in the leg with yeah. a normal gun. Right. And what happened? The only person he shot was himself, and he went to jail for two years because of the gun laws in New York. And Uzi's illegal everywhere. And, you know, th- this is what people think that, that those who have fame and notoriety get a pass when they find themselves in the gears of the criminal justice system. No way. Oftentimes, prosecutors, prosecutors say, hey, this is, this is a way to send the loudest message. Right. As sea to shining sea about what behavior is accepted. We're going to throw the book at this celebrity because the trial is going to get covered and the sentence is going to get covered and everybody's going to know don't mess around, even though we don't have the resources to catch everybody who messes around this way. We want to scare people into not doing it. And a high-profile prosecution like this will do it. You know, the league's got personal conduct policy, a weapons policy, and it just feels to me like a bigger deal. Then any time, you know, there was a the defensive back from the Saints. He got arrested in Cleveland. Marshawn Lattimore. The, the guy who's on the, yeah, Marshawn Lattimore, right. the guy in his, his option year. You know, yeah. that, that had a different feel to it. You yes. know, it's a, because it was just a gun and was it registered, was it stolen, whatever. This is an Uzi. This is an Uzi. This is a big deal. It, you know? it is and, a big uh, deal. It makes I, you I, wonder, I don't know Mike. That I like wonder what. Well, I just wonder like if he wasn't Frank Clark and had like a you know they traded for him, has a huge salary, has a huge number that counts against the salary cap this year. The play hasn't been what they want it to be. I mean, they didn't get Frank Clark and pay him all this money to get six sacks. That's what he got last year. They didn't do that. Like to me, 
You know, I I look at it and I just wonder with some of the stuff they're they're under the microscope because of the read thing and all of that to where I hear you. It it does seem a little serious and all that, but I just I don't think anybody's gonna, anything's going to be done to the player, at least through the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I, I would say, like he'd be in danger of getting cut if he didn't have such a big dead dead money and and such a big you know chunk of the salary cap this year. I, I would say that, but but because of the situation in his contract, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, there. I'm doing the math here yeah. real quick. He's up near twenty million dollars right. if they would cut him, right. and he's got eighteen point five million base salary this year that's guaranteed for skill, injury, and cap. They could try to find a way around that. They could try to invalidate and void the guarantee. But um, I, I, you know, I think they probably just go forward yeah. and uh, wait and see what the legal system does. Wait and see what the league does because financially their hands are tied here. And, and this is the deal they did when they made that trade and they signed with that long-term contract. He had that issue in college that ended up being a problem. Uh, and, and it created a ton of controversy. Yeah. Seahawks, if you remember that when he I was do. a second round pick. Yeah. So they they knew what they they knew. Look, I, I can't say that they they reasonably should have foreseen he'd get arrested with an Uzi, but they knew when they traded for him that this is a guy who had some off field stuff. Yeah. That could rear its ugly head at some point in the future. They they can't say they didn't know that. No. They, well, they they've been a team that's been willing to take those chances. That that's that, that is part of what Kansas City is. They've taken chances on guys who, yeah, have a little bit of a checkered past. And, yeah, this guy, he's no Boy Scout. That, that's certainly, you know, the case here. And, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of eating it on this one at this point right now. So we'll see. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you said it, like, the legal system, guns in your car twice, an Uzi. Like, I don't I, I have a hard time thinking the NFL doesn't do something here, right? I mean, would you think that there's going to be a suspension at I some point? I, I assume there will be. Yeah. The question is, how long do they wait for the legal system and how much do they do on their own? And does this rise to the level of maybe even paid leave? We've talked about it so much with Deshaun Watson. Does it become an issue for Frank Clark? We'll see how that plays out. All right. In Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins has a new teammate. A.J. Green joined the team via free agency from the Cincinnati Bengals. Here's A.J. Green talking about his new pass-catching teammate, DeAndre Hopkins. I never played with a guy like D-Hop. And it's coming in, meeting him. The guy is unbelievable, man. He embraced me. You know, we don't have no egos. He's telling me, like, if you want to run a route and, you know, and I'm at this position, just let me know. So you have a guy like that, two guys like that in the room, man, it's going to be unbelievable. And we feed off each other. There's no denying and there's no doubting the skills and abilities of DeAndre Hopkins. The irony in that comment is the presumption that A.J. Green is still A.J. Green. That's it. That's the question everyone has. And may maybe he is. Maybe he is. But it's completely fair based on the past several years for us to say A.J. Green. Remember, it's A.J. Green, Julio Jones. A.J. Green, Julio Jones. Drafted the same year. Drafted the top 10. Julio Jones is still Julio Jones. A.J. Green hasn't been A.J. Green for a while. No, it's been at least uh, three years, right? I mean, because he was hurt two years ago. Then last year was underwhelming. You know, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the more special specimens, uh, freaks of nature that we've ever had at the wide receiver position in the NFL. I mean, he's one of those guys, Mike, that classifies of like the woe factor where you get on a practice field or a game field and you say, see A.J. Green, it's up there with the Julio Jones or the Randy Mosses or the Andre Johnsons where you just go, what? 
is that guy really that big and that fast and that quick? Is that, does that make sense? I mean, he's special that way. But he's like the biggest question in the NFL maybe at the wide receiver position to, to, to piggyback off of what you said. I mean, it's an ultimate boom or bust you know, scenario here. A.J. Green last year, it was good, but like you said, it certainly wasn't great. There was drop balls, and it looked like there was still a little bit of a lack of explosion or something from the foot injury from the year before. So that is that is going to be the million-dollar question. And I just, with Arizona in general, I think that's one of the intriguing things. They got kind of like two of those guys on their roster right now. Him, A.J. Green, we're not sure what he's going to be. If he's, if he's close to what he used to be, then it's, whoa, watch out. But even the, the second-round pick they got, uh, Mike, Rondell Moore, I know we talked about him a little in the draft. He's been hurt in college football the last two years. He was a freak show as a freshman. He was kind of eh as a sophomore and junior, but dealing with injuries. I mean, if they have those two come together and you can spread the field with Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, and then you got Kyler Murray at shotgun with a four-wide set, wow, have fun defenses. I mean, have fun defensive coordinators. Get your Tylenol because you're going to have headaches all week long trying to figure that out. One point about A.J. Green, I'm looking at his statistical yeah. accomplishments. It was a big deal this year when Mike Evans became the first receiver in league history to have 1,000 yards for seven straight seasons to begin his career. A.J. Green would have been the first, but he only had 964 yards in 2016 when he only played in 10 games. Think about that, 964 yards in 10 games. He would have sailed over 1,000 yards. And then the wheels came off, 2017 he had 1,000 yards, but then 2018, 694 in nine games, didn't play in 2019 at all. Last year, he played in every game. He was targeted 104 times, 47 catches, 523 yards. That's 32.6 yards per game. That is a dramatic fall yeah. over the last couple of years. We haven't seen the best of A.J. Green in four years. And it's a calculated risk by the Cardinals that they're going to they're going to draw it out of him. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I think that's one of the big questions for you know a guy who had to linger on the market, Chris, because yeah, nobody really knows what he has left. No, nobody does. And he had a hard like time connecting with Joe Burrow last year too. A little bit like that Baker Mayfield Odell Beckham Jr., where it's like both of them were nervous or they couldn't get on the same page or whatever it was. But it's certainly, when you turn on the film of A.J. Green, yes, it's not the same guy. It does not have the same explosion, top-end speed, any of that. Hopefully, you know, another a year of playing, a year away from that, that foot injury, maybe he's back at least as the athletic specimen close to what he, what he, what he was before that injury. We'll see. But that is, that's a huge question uh, because they're one of those teams that, you know, that works out. They're going to be a major player, of course, in the NFC and the NFC West, and it'll be a handful trying to figure out how to guard that def or that offense. But uh, there's some big question marks there. Benefiting from the presence of DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk is Kyler Murray, who coincidentally comes in at number seven on the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown. There he is, Kyler Murray, the guy who's still – would like to play both baseball and football, but for now it's football only. And he enters year three, pivotal year for any player, any player that, that's going to reach the proverbial next level. What's he learned in two years? Can he pivot? Can he adjust? Can Cliff Kingsbury? I almost put Cliff Kingsbury in the no excuses draft yesterday because you got Kyler Murray. 
You got A.J. Green. You got DeAndre Hopkins. This is year three for Kingsbury, too. He's going to be the one who's responsible for Kyler Murray. But, you know, Murray, I think, is on the precipice of being one of the greats. Clearly, you got him at number seven. Yeah. You think he is. How great can he be? Yeah, he can be top three, top two, the number one quarterback in football. I mean, he's special. He's one of the, the biggest weapons we have at the position in all of the sport. You know, it's rare. He's kind of a polished passer, let alone he's as fast as Lamar Jackson running the ball. In fact, if you give me the first 20 yards of a race, I think I'm taking Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson. I don't know if there's any player – that has more of an effect on the success of their team's offense maybe than Kyler Murray. Now, we have some guys that are coming up you know, later in the show. Maybe we could argue that point. But, but my point with Murray is he himself is made that offense. They're a top-10 rushing offense. They have no business being there. They're a top-10 rushing offense, not because they blow people off the line of scrimmage or do anything like that, because Kyler Murray, they're running. So you have to worry about defending that first, right? That's the first thing. And his ability to keep the ball and get around the edge, I don't care who you are, Deion Sanders, whatever, it's scary. I mean, look, at he, he rips off 30-yard runs quicker than anybody I've ever seen. And this is part of what you have to do to defend him let alone he's a good passer. So now you have to go, wait, we got to play some defenses to worry about what he can do on re-option, let alone you have to worry about when he drops back to pass and just scrambles like this one right here. Oh, nobody's open, moving around the pocket, great presence. People are down the field there, so the field's spread out. All he had to do was make one guy miss, and he gets a 20-yard gain. Here's the same thing. Remember this week one last year? I mean, what? Who is this, the Tasmanian Devil or Kyler Murray? I mean, it's insane what he does. He's really special that way. And then he has a special arm that goes with it. And, you know, last year we saw a little he, – he kind of told us that he was a little beat up at one, at one point during the year, not throwing the ball the way he wanted. But that's where he's really special is you don't have to have a totally complicated formula. Spread the field, give him some concepts, and if they're open, he'll hit them. And if nothing's there, he'll make a play. But he's got he has a powerful arm. I mean, remember last year when DeAndre Hopkins got there, Mike? One of the first things he said was, I can't get over the pop in Kyler Murray's the ball when he throws it. I mean, 20 yard outs, no problem. You know, deep post, go routes. He can do all of that stuff with ease. They, in my opinion, just need to open up that offense a little bit more. It's a little predictable. You've heard me say that. But, man, he's a special football player, and I think they're on the right path for finding the right personnel and formula to play that makes sense for them and for, for this guy. I mean, you know, how do you stop that? Run into the left, awkward Patrick Mahomes-type throw. He recognizes the defender's not looking, so he could throw the ball because he knows that guy's not going to be able to play the ball. And he puts it in the perfect spot. Really, really special talent and really well-rounded in just about all aspects of his game. His only negative, Mike, is his size at times. That affects him in the pocket with seeing people, and every now and then he misses a guy open down the middle of the field because he can't see it because of his size. Well, and also he's prone to getting injured if he gets hit, and we had yeah. seen a lot of instances over the first two years of his career where he, he very adeptly and adroitly right. and intelligently avoids contact and resists that temptation – to try to squeeze out another couple yards. I don't know how many times I've seen that move that he does where he squirts out of the pocket, gets down the left sideline, runs, 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 and then just as the defender is closing in, steps out of bounds. Yeah. Knows how to do it. Knows when to slide. Slides sideways, slides backways, slides whatever he has to do. It's smart. And what yes. happened last year? He got hit, he got hurt, 
and it threw everything off kilter for the Arizona Cardinals. He talked about that recently. Yeah. When his shoulder was messed up and he was more hesitant to run, they didn't have the passing attack. No. That they could take advantage of. And that was kind of a little shot, a little bit, a little bit of a shot at Cliff. Not much of one. Didn't raise it at the time, but it's kind of crystallizing now when, when you're saying, hey, you take away my ability to run and we got to throw and we can't. Well, it's not because Kyler Murray can't throw it. That's right. That's for damn sure. That's right. It's because they aren't drawing up the plays to let him throw it. That that's it, Mike. That that that's to me. And you know, Kingsbury still getting used to the NFL. He's made strides in each year as far as I went. Ooh, the offense got a little bit better, but there does have to be more. There's got to be more, you know, formations, personnel sets. To me, I I I think you're doing an injustice to the team by always putting Kyler Murray in the shotgun and everything like that. You know, we've had these conversations with other quarterbacks. Put them underneath the center like they're going to do in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. It creates more of a mesh. It's harder to see him behind the line of scrimmage, what he's doing with the ball. Is he going this way, that way? You don't know. You know, there just has to be more variety in the offense. And then, you know, last year, too, you'll, I, I think you'll remember this. We broke down like DeAndre Hopkins' route tree a lot of the times to, to emphasize your point more about more offense and more creative route schemes and things like that. I mean, he it's all in the same little area. It's very little variety in what he does as far as a route runner, and that speaks to the offense. That's where, you know, look, every throw you see here is out route to, to the left, sideline, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, it, it's everything kind of looks similar that way. There's the great Hale Murray. That was unbelievable play and catch and all of that. But, yeah, there's a little bit too much of a predictability to the drop-back pass offense, and they wouldn't get away with it if they didn't have Kyler Murray at quarterback. And that's where the offense has to change and, and, and help him out a little bit more. They didn't handle that moment well. They were two and six after that game. Right. Two and six. From six and three to two, two and five, excuse me. I want to get my facts straight. Two and five over the final seven after that game. It's almost like they that that was the crowning moment of their season. We've arrived, we're here, and it all just kind of fell apart after yeah. that. The injury had something to do with it. The short week turnaround with the Seahawks that's when the injury first became obvious right. he had told us he'd already injured that shoulder but it really caught up with him that night and look at that the last seven games a major drop in passing an obvious and clear drop in rushing from 67 yards per game all the way down to 30.7 10 rushing touchdowns down to one they, they'd use him in in goal line situations around the ball not like Cam Newton slam into the line or go up and over right. just squirt out no one can catch you and Chris, that's got to make it hard for Cliff Kingsbury to even have the incentive to develop the full and complete offense because you don't need it. There's a little of a Mahomes quality there where, ah, okay, well, this is the play, but yeah, got no doubt. No doubt. He'll, You're he'll, right. He'll make it work. You're right. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need to have a bunch of fancy schmancy plays in our playbook. We got Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I, there is part of that for sure. You know, you just have to do it the right way to where it doesn't have to be overly complicated. You just got to do it in a way that really stresses the defense and really puts them in a bind. And I think that's the big thing. And they just have to find that that right formula for Kyler Murray and whatever that is. Uh, but but I don't think there's any doubt. He's a special football player. He can do everything that we talk about all the time, whether it's he takes advantage of what the offense has there. But like you say all the time too, play breaks down or team's bad or whatever. He can make it all happen. He can make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what a lot. 
He really can. So no, I don't know what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll say it if you don't. I'm not familiar sure. with that I'll, term. I'll, I, <laughs> no, uh, no. But but yeah, that's where no. he's a special special quarterback, and really the value of him. And again, the stats can't really quantify how great he is. Yeah, the passing numbers are good. 819 yards rushing, right? 11 touchdowns to go along with that. The pressure he puts on a defense, and like I said, if they could just grow the offense or find a few more ways to stress defenses out, make the game a little easier for Kyler Murray, Arizona could be a, a handful this year for the NFC West and the NFC. And they have one more season during which they can enjoy the reduced relative to a franchise quarterback on a second contract pay that Kyler Murray gets. After this year, it's going to be time for Michael Bidwell to come up with the big money for Kyler Murray. I suspect he's not going to want to wait around for after four years or five years to get his financial reward. And, and Chris, look, I, I'm calling it now. Yeah. If they don't make the playoffs this year with Kyler Murray, they're going to have a new coach next year. I, I, would, I and, would bet that. And, and it's not an indictment of Cliff Kingsbury as much as it's a recognition of how the Cardinals have handled their business. They and I remember when when I I used to get the record and fact book. Remember we we had fun with Mad Dog about that at the Super Bowl, yeah, the, the yeah. little phone book that they that they print. And when you for every team, there's three four pages of information, and it shows for every franchise their history of coaches. And for the Cardinals, that lo, that that column goes on and on and on and on. I mean, they chew them up and they spit them out and they are not patient with their head coaches. And I think three years of no playoffs for Cliff Kingsbury, it's going to be a far different experience than three years of no playoffs for John Gruden. Yeah, it is. I, I think, you know, we, you know, you, you said it already, the no excuse draft, those type of things. Hey, they've done some good things in free agency. We'll see if some of these draft picks work out. I mean, they're dealing their their first rounder, Zayvon Collins. He just got in trouble for speeding in a car or whatever else. But like, they've certainly improved the team. So that de they're definitely going to put a little bit more pressure on on Cliff Kingsbury and to see what he can do with you know with them as uh, it, totally as a as a football team. It's a tough division. I don't know. I don't know if I can sit here right now and pick them to go to the NFC playoffs with that division they're in right now. I kind of got to see it to believe it. I think. They could be improved significantly over right. last year and still yeah. finish in fourth place in that division. It's unfortunate that, that they're stuck there, uh, but they are. Let's take a break. I mentioned Kyler Murray has one year to go until he's eligible to get paid. The next quarterback on Chris's list is eligible now, and maybe at any given moment he's going to get his financial reward. We'll tell you number six on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown right after this. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties, whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber. Quaker Oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker Fruit Fusion with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. We've been working, not just me, um, all the QBs and, you know, the receivers, we've been getting together and trying to make that a big emphasis for us this year, you know. Um, people always say, you know, we throw short intermediate routes and stuff like that, Let's, five-yard, ten-yard routes. But uh, we, we had some chances last year. We hit some of them. Um, but we're just trying to be more consistent this year. And that's what it starts happening out. You know, it starts in practice, and hopefully it's transition to the game. Just got to keep working on it. Lamar Jackson, he comes in at number six, the 2019 MVP. Window open for a major contract. That could come at any time. Lamar yeah. Jackson, going to be a fixture in Baltimore, presumably for years to come, Chris, health permitting. And I remember when they put him on the field in his rookie year, replacing Joe Flacco with Lamar Jackson. Some were very skeptical and thought, you know, this is going to be fun while it lasts, and it's not going to last because he's not going to stay healthy. And he's shown that that style of play works. They've built the offense around him. He runs it. He throws it. I think they're trying to transition to the point where he throws it a little bit more. Look, you think highly of him. I still think that there are some lingering questions that need to be answered this year. And the biggest question is, is it the offense or is it him? And how much of the offense is keeping him from being a guy who could maybe be number two or number one on your list? Yeah, sure. I think that's part of the what we need to flush out here and talk about. I mean, this is still a, a really special player, as you know maybe the greatest weapon in football, like the lifeblood and soul of the Baltimore Ravens. He is them. Like you said, they've orchestrated a style of play that we've never seen really in the history of the NFL around him and his skill set. And they play a way that we've never seen a team play really before. So that's where he's special. I mean, yes, you have to worry about all the things he does in the run game and some of the cool designs they have off of it when he is doing the quarterback design runs and everything like that. But also just knows how to play the game. And, yeah, you know, they need to help him. Does he still have room to get better as a pocket passer and those type of things? Without a doubt, he's not perfect. Uh, There are some some issues still with throwing the football and all of that. But every year has been less and less, and he is a guy that wants to throw from within the pocket. He's not a guy that I watch film and go back and go, oh, he just looked at one guy, and then he looks down, and he's just looking to run. No, he is trying to dice you up with his right arm. And that's where it gets into, I don't think they help him all that much with what they do in the pass game. It is simple. You see right there, phenomenal touch right there. Nice, tight motion with his arm. He keeps the ball up there like that, up by his chin always. He has a quick release. I mean, he really can have a lot of throws where we go back to the saying, like you've said before, it looks like a flick of the wrist, but he can get his body in positions where you go, technically, that's really good. I mean, not a perfect spiral, but 
again, the ability to read this and throw a seam route 22 yards down the right, you know, seam right there, this is a phenomenal throw. This is like he's not wide open. He had to get up and over that, that linebacker in between a safety and corner. So he has all of the throws. He does. And if you're open, he can hit you. Oh, here's a fade. Perfect. But I do think they have to find a way to make life a little easier for him. And like we talked about with Kyler Murray, be a little more diverse in the pass game. And I think we'll see a much bigger jump from Lamar as a drop back pocket passing type quarterback. So I'm all about this guy. He's a special leader. He's got a toughness about him that rubs off on the rest of their football team. And he's one of those few guys in football, Mike, that I just think he instills confidence in his team where they just go, well, he's on the field. We're, we're going to have a chance to win the football game today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's he's a really awesome player. It's almost like Russell Wilson in Seattle, but the difference is they have the kind of running game that Pete Carroll would love to have that would allow de-emphasis on the passing game. And, and that's been this conundrum. They run it so well, and now they've got J.K. Dobbins there. They've extended Gus Edwards, and we know what Lamar can do running the ball. How do you properly mix over the course of a 60-minute game where you get, what, 60, 70 snaps? How do you properly mix your pass and your run? And how do you grow and develop your quarterback as a passer if you have such a robust and compelling and effective running game? That That's that's the challenge for it this is. team. You know, you'll, you'll want to be balanced, but when you're so good at one thing, it's hard to be truly and fully balanced. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's, it's like it's hard for Lamar Jackson to be a truly awesome pocket passing quarterback. Why is that? Because he's awesome at one thing called running, and he just goes, well, when all else fails, I'll run. But he does try to read the field and make the right throws, and that's what's awesome about him. And that's what leads to a lot of these big runs sometimes, like the play before. This is a quarterback design run, but the play before, he was looking downfield, trying to throw the ball deep down the field. That opens the field, and then he could tuck it and take off and do that type of stuff. But, like, you know, I'm excited because, yeah, I'd like to see more out of the passing game for sure. They need more creativity on that side of the ball. But they got Rashad Bateman in the first round. They got Sammy Watkins. We know they got a really good tight end in Mark Andrews. We saw at the end of the year last year, they start, finally started featuring a guy in the pass game in Marquise Hollywood-Brown. I think that made their offense better. You know, as we talk about all of the make a defense defend one thing, and then you can do other stuff off of it. You know, I, and I, we saw, you know, we saw a little bit of growth in the offense, but I would love to see them, hey, run the ball. You're going to get a lot of single safety defenses because they're worried about the run game, to your point. Play a little bit more like matchup football. Oh, they're worried about the run game. Oh, Rashad Bateman, Marquise Hollywood Brown, they're one on one. Run a twenty yard comeback. Lamar will hit you. You know, it's it's stuff like that. It doesn't have to be overly complicated either. When you have a guy like him at the quarterback position, that's going to make defenses have to play certain simple type of defenses because they're worried about all the run fits and everything like that. We've talked so many times about this line of demarcation between the quarterbacks who can't make chicken salad on the fly like yeah. a Kirk Cousins and those who can. And look, we, we marvel at the Patrick Mahomes, the Russell Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers, who will buy the time laterally and then find a guy who gets open yeah. once the coverage breaks down. With Kyler Murray, who comes in at number seven, and Lamar Jackson, who comes in at number six, for them, because of their supreme running ability – 
when you're back there and you're looking and you're looking and no one's there and you've got that Gale Sayers 18 inches of daylight and that's all you need when you're Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, you're gone. Yeah. And so you know that that's going to work. Once you're out there, once you're in that moment, and the goal is to move the chains and get in position to score points and win the game, and you've got receivers spread out all over the place and no one's open, and you see that crack, you go. And and, and I think that's that's – that's a great skill to have, but yeah, you know, maybe maybe they're telling him if you just hang in there a little bit longer, Hollywood was going to be open. Watch the film a little bit longer. Sure, uh, you know, you, you you just wait a little bit longer. Stay behind the line of scrimmage a little bit longer, and we're going to be able to get the ball down the field thirty yards through the air instead of twenty on the ground, and we don't have to worry about you taking that hit from the side. Uh, you know, and into your leg, and then you got a knee problem, and then it's game over. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, you're right. And that's that's the thing with some of these great running quarterbacks at times is, yeah, when you have that great of a skill, sometimes, yeah, I don't have to sit in the pocket and go to the fourth read. You know, my whole life I've gone through two reads and took it off around the edge, and nobody catches me. You know, but you're, you're right. That, that day is going to end at some point, and it not necessarily always means the best success for the football team. Hey, listen, the bat- last piece of the puzzle we all want to see from Lamar Jackson, right, is if they're down, can he bring his team back to win with his right arm throwing the football? I do believe he can. That's just they have to grow that part of the offense too and help him out in that way. We've seen it. I mean, they were down in Tennessee. He made some great throws and some great runs to bring him back. In Buffalo, it was 10-3. to It was his right arm that drove them down the field and got them to the five- or six-yard line. Yes, I know he threw that long pick six. But he made a number of throws on that drive. It wasn't about Lamar running or doing those type of things. So he has all those all that ability. He knows how to take care of the football. And you know, to your point, Mike, we're seeing it more and more from him a little bit. Like think of the Cleveland game when he came out of the bathroom or whatever the hell the IV or all that. He ran to the IV. right. <laughs> yeah, he ran to the right. He threatened the line of scrimmage a little bit. They came up. Boom! He throws it over the top to Marquise Holly Brown. He is getting better at that. Every year he's gotten better. Now, to me, it's yes, he still needs to get better, but they got to help him out too. And we've been hearing that they are trying to grow their offense. They're going to put him underneath the center more and do that type of stuff. And I think that'll that'll help their whole football team. I I, I just remember seeing that video as he went to the locker room. We've all done that walk at one time or another, but uh, it was well. I know his walk was more like, man, my legs and everything are cramping the hell up. I think it was more that, but it did look the other way. Yes, and. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. But but that was a great moment. That was great a great moment. moment. You know, there were several games last year where you, you you like the the way it ended was so exciting. You you can't go to sleep. Uh, do you, uh, you do you have do you go through that? Definitely. Where yeah. you know it's a night game and it's and it's like that was great and you just want to stay up and you want to watch and you and you want to you know it was awesome. There yeah. were so many games like that last year. Yeah, and I, I, definitely. It's it's like, well, he's the kind of guy that when you get done watching them or the Ravens or anything like that, like, yeah, it's it's a fun watch. I mean, the defense tries to kill people. The offense is fun to watch and lots of huge plays and things like that. So, yeah, when they're on a Sunday or Monday night, yeah, they are, they're a team that is easy to respect and like because they're tough. There's no nonsense. They got some personality. They're not robots in interviews. And a lot of that is because of Lamar and, of course, John Harbaugh having the vision to play this style of football and everything like that. We haven't seen a team ever do this. 
and I know they haven't got to the Super Bowl, but we've never seen a team just go all in, running quarterback, we're going to play this way, and it's led to a lot of success. Not the success they want, but it's still been a pretty damn good three-year run we've had so, so far with Lamar Jackson. It's going to be very interesting to see what kind of a deal they work out for Lamar Jackson's second contract, what kind of protections they have against injury, and what kind of enhancements he can get without the assistance of a traditional agent. One of the games last season that was one of those you're excited when it's over was Miami at the Raiders. One of the guys playing for the Raiders now has the most popular jersey in the NFL when it comes to online sales because of an announcement that was made earlier this week. We'll get into that when PFT Live continues right after this. Carl Nassib announced on Monday that he is gay and he has had widespread support from within and without the National Football League. His jersey, according to Fanatics, the highest selling across all Fanatics platforms since he made that announcement. And, uh, you know, that, that's good. That, it it just good. shows you the impact. It shows you the message. It shows you the pride that people feel from him and the positive impact it can make on the lives of others who who are wrestling with. And, you know, I've heard from some people, and because uh, I've said, you know, look, the NFL is 50 years behind the rest of society and everywhere else it's easy. I heard from a couple people said it's really – it's really not easy. It's not. It's not as easy as you think. There are still pockets. Definitely. You know. That's what I hope I was trying to explain yesterday. You still. You still yeah. dread. You, you still dread letting people know who you are because yeah. of how they're going to react. And it's a shame that that's the case. But uh, you know, I guess I'm not. I guess. I guess I'm really not surprised by that. Depending upon where you live. Uh, I, I, I guess I could see that still being an issue. And that's I, – I, 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 so I get it. I get it. And, and but, but the NFL is still behind. The locker room has always been behind yeah. the rest of society. Yeah, no, 100%. Always been behind the rest of society in that conversation. But, I mean, I think as we're seeing here, and like you explained yesterday, that even the NFL society has taken major steps in the last 10 or 15 years with the support he's gotten from his own teammates, other people around the NFL, things like that. But, yeah, is he still going to have people in that locker room that are going to be, you know, side-eyeing him a little bit? And some coaches who, you know, of course are old school and haven't adjusted their thoughts or whatever else, maybe super religious. You know, that's another aspect that goes on in the NFL. There's a lot of, like, very religious people involved in that. I'm not saying right or wrong, but we know at times that can be judged with well, that. So there's, there's a lot there. And that's where it's even – it's still – it's incredibly courageous that he's put himself out here on a limb like this, you know, and, and it's good. I'm not trying to say that. But, yeah, there's going to be some negativity and, and some obstacles to overcome because of this as well. I think that's the most challenging part of this to the extent that there are people who have genuinely held religious beliefs that maybe they don't articulate because they understand it's not a popular thing to articulate. Yeah. But people who genuinely believe that it is a sin, that the Bible forbids it. And 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 you know, my approach has always been I don't care what you do, more elbow room for me in heaven. I don't care. I, you know, make your own decision as to which commandments you're going to follow or not. But there is an element 
that not only believes it's a sin, but feels compelled to tell you that you're a sinner and to view you differently because you're doing something that they regard as a sin. Well, it's not, I don't really think it's my business if someone else is sinning. That's just the way I view things. Yeah. But you could see a, a sliver of the NFL overall environment right. that not only thinks privately, well, that's a sin, but also feels compelled to judge on top of it. That's where it becomes, I think, very tricky and very delicate. And that's, I get back to the owners need to step in. Yeah. Cause, cause, and, and this is another conversation altogether. Yeah. But religion has no business in an NFL locker room either. I'm sorry, it doesn't. I cringe every time. And people think you're, you're anti Christian when you say this. I'm not. I'm Christian. But I also practiced law right. for 20 years. And I also believe in the First Amendment. And I believe in separation of church and state. And I believe that that you should not be required to be a Christian to be on a football team. Agreed. And, and there are too many times where the message is, we want Christians on this team. That's not how it should be, folks. That's not how it should be. No, it definitely should not be. I, I, I'm with you. I never felt comfortable with that aspect of the NFL locker room when they did have something like that, you know, in there where it was like, uh, you know, again, not that I'm not the most religious person. I grew up in a Catholic household, but yeah, I'm not right now. Nor did I want to really hear about it when I was at work, to your point. You know, I didn't. Nor did I want to be judged, maybe, because I didn't get in a special group in the locker room to get on a knee and prayer and pray. Like, I, I didn't, you know. And then, yeah, so the locker room's a weird place. There's a, it's all over the place, and it is a little bit of a you know microcosm of, like you talked about already, what we have in our country. Yeah, you're going to have pockets in the locker room and be like, okay, yeah, he's gay. Who cares? Like, I don't care. I mean, there's probably other gay guys in the locker room, and I probably have gay friends that I don't know about or whatever. But then you're going to have others in that locker room who are, they're not going to say it, but they're going to have their own little – group that is not going to love it and they'll be cordial and hey Carl and all that but I don't think they're going to be inviting them over to barbecues or anything like that either years ago I had a case against a business where that forced Christianity just oozed from management throughout the entire organization and there was an employee who wasn't on board with it and when that employee got fired we we made them understand what is permitted and not permitted in a workplace. And there is a wall that needs to be respected. But we're, we're mentioning all this because I think we've identified the one way that this can still be a problem for Carl Nassib in an NFL locker room. If ownership, general manager, team president aren't willing or able to make sure the head coach understands what should and shouldn't be going on in his locker room. Yeah. That's it, plain and simple. Th- that, All right. Let's okay. go ahead and take a break. Yep. Mailbag when PFT Live, a.k.a. we don't have anything else to talk about, so we're just going to answer questions. We'll do that when I PFT like that. Live continues right after this. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 